Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Andrew Giuliani Show. Not that, Andrew. As we know, we're making Andrews great again. One of the things that I've probably talked about more than maybe any other issue so far between the Sunday show on WABC at 3 p.m. and Not That Andrew is education. We had a couple weeks ago Corey DeAngelis on the show, who, as I've mentioned, I think almost every week between now and then, really is at the forefront of the uh, charter school movement, not even the charter school movement, the school choice movement uh, in the United States of America. Uh, And it's something that uh, I first started seeing during my father's administration. He was a champion of the charter schools. He was a champion of school choice. He was a champion of vouchers. And you started to see the real progress there in the mid-90s in New York City. Uh, And that continued through some of the Bloomberg years where you saw the expansion of charter schools. And nationally, we've started to see some success in other areas as well. As Corey highlighted, and instead of going all over that podcast, just remind you to go back and watch the Corey DeAngelis podcast. I've actually listened to it a couple of times since because I've learned so much uh, from him in this area. But uh, what I would look at is really the idea here is we want the free market in education. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about giving parents the options, right? You think about the difference between communism and between the free market free enterprise. Free enterprise, the consumer gets the choice. And then through that choice, through the over time, and uh, you, you see which product is better, right? Because the products that are good, you're going to have continue to have consumers go there and purchase. And the products that are not, they will go out of business. They'll phase out over a period of time. Well, in education, you don't have that option unless you have money, right? If you have money, then you can actually take your dollars, take your child and put them into private school or Catholic school. I was very lucky that my parents put me into Catholic school uh, from a kindergartner all the way through high school or a yeshiva school if you're Jewish or uh, or homeschooling or pods, as we've seen, has become more and more popular over the last three years since the pandemic. But there's one character who actually was the head of the teachers union in New York City at the time, now is the head of the American Federation of Teachers. Randy Weingarten, who uh, it continues to pop her head up, obviously. This is somebody who is, uh, I wouldn't say an avowed Democrat because she tries to put on the guys that she's not, but you don't have to look any further than the political giving, or which is 99.9%, over 99.9% to Democrat Democrats, or who she campaigns for. She goes out for Joe Biden. I think she went out for him in 2020, and she's been on the push. She was on the push for Terry McAuliffe after Terry McAuliffe had said he doesn't believe that parents should be the primary stakeholders in their kids' education, so famously in the debate against Governor Youngkin. But last week, and I tried to cover this a couple of different times, once while filling in for Dominic Carter last week, and then also on my Sunday show, but we've had so much programming that I haven't been able to dig into this the way that I really want to dig into this. And this is why I'm so thankful to have this podcast, because it gives you the time to really get a little more granular, a little bit deeper. But a couple weeks ago, oh no, about a week ago, Randy Weingarten wrote an article in USA Today, an op-ed that said, MAGA Republicans are destroying our public schools. Teachers and parents must fight back. There's the article right there for anybody who wants to read it. But I'm going to pretty much go through it line by line with you because uh, it is probably, 
and this is including all of the leftist politicians that I, I've read stuff from recently. It's probably the most hypocritical article that I think I've read in recent memory. There's nothing that I can think of that's actually more hypocritical than this. And I can go through line by line and basically refute this. Uh, let's start off right from the subtitle here. To effectively counter extremists who wish to put their political vendettas and ideology ahead of children's education, teachers need more people and groups to speak up. First line, our public schools are not just physical structures. They are the embodiment of our civic values and ideals. Now, I'm going to come back to this a bunch of different times during this article, but she talks about they're not just physical structures. Well, guess what? For two years, Randy Weingarten, she advocated to close those physical structures. She didn't want those students to be in those physical structures. Now, you know what that ended up doing for our learning loss? She's going to end up trying to spin this later in the article. We'll get into it and you'll catch it and we'll stop it at that point. But you know what that ended up doing for learning loss? We lost over two decades of learning loss here in the United States of America because our kids could not go into school, because they could not be with their peers. Because when we knew that it was far less dangerous to transmit this disease to kids. There was far less dangerous for kids to have uh, to have a uh, a really severe case of COVID than it was actually getting in a car accident going to school. That she just continued to keep kids out of school regardless of the science, but. Let's go on to the second line in all this. Those values include the fact that education open doors for all, and it must be free and available to all without exception. Now, opens, do opens doors to all. It opens doors to all if it's a quality education. If it's not a quality education, we continue to see our learning loss, I guess our learning loss go up and our learning abilities go down like this. Uh then you're not going to open doors for people. Unfortunately, you're going to just put people in a worse position than they would be if they had a choice between what school they could go to, between what options they actually had. So, yes, it opened an education open doors for all opens doors for all if it's a good education, if it's a quality education, but it must be a quality education that all young people should have the opportunity to go to a safe, welcoming school that prepares them for college, a career, and life. And that their school experience should support them academically, socially, and emotionally. So two things in that right there. Again, uh, as we've seen the continued drop uh, in learning here in our schools nationally, and that can be backed up uh, locally by the fact that in New York, you have schools that have 7% that are reading at a learning level at some schools in New York. It's something like 19%. Uh, in, in, I remember there was a school particularly, uh, I think it was PS 156 in Queens that I went to about two years ago and the reading rate for kids, sixth grade kids was 19%. Think about that. 19%. That means one in five of those kids, only one in five of those kids really had a chance for success from an academic standpoint past their time in sixth grade. Four in five kids, 81% did not have a chance. That's if if you were a baseball player, you'd get fired and put down to the minor leagues if you were hitting that. Now, can you imagine that that's the standard that we're pushing for here in our public schools? But then when she talks about supporting our students academically, socially and emotionally, what we did to these students, again, for keeping them locked out for two years emotionally, that might even be worse than the learning loss, if you think about it. I also think about the mask, and this is something that I talked about time and time on the campaign. 90% of all communication is nonverbal. Now, for those of you listening to me on the radio, I, I think it's one of these things that 
you have to practice as you're getting in this. I've learned from some amazing people. Look, my father's very good at it now. Curtis Sliwa is incredible at this, but it's it's a challenge as you're getting on radio and doing that. For those of you that are watching me actually uh, on the feed, you'll see how much I use my hands, how much of my communication is nonverbal. You'll see in my face, my facial expressions. Now, if I were to do this, for those of you that aren't looking, I'm covering the bottom half of my mouth, as if I was but the bottom half of my face, including my mouth and including my nose. Now, for those of you that are watching, or if you do this, let's say to a friend and have a friend do it to you, just put a mask on actually, if you want for a split second, because I'm certainly not advocating for it. But we right now, through our communication process, you're not able to see a lot of the different responses that I'll have to what you're saying. You won't be able to see actually if I'm smiling, if I'm frowning, if I'm upset, if I'm interested in something or not, because again, so much of the communication is nonverbal. What we did by putting these masks on kids, we actually hurt not just their learning development, but their emotional development and all this. If, if I'm having a conversation with my friend, I'm seeing how they're responding to that. If they're laughing at that, if I tell a joke, if they're, if they're thinking about something, if it's something that's in depth, something that, that should be pondered upon. That's for somebody who's 37 years old. That's for adults. What about when you're talking about eight-year-olds and six-year-olds and 10-year-olds, these kids that are still learning, that don't understand that? You're setting them back so far. And for so long, Randy was, was pushing a mask mandate even when they were coming back into school. But let me continue on because I'm going to touch on these points a few more times because she kind of repeats herself in this. And uh, I don't want her to get away with, uh, with any of this hypocrisy. But some people want that cornerstone of our society, the schools at the center of our communities that don't just educate our kids, but often feed them, teach them, teach them understanding and tolerance and prepare them to engage in our democracy to crumble. And they're wielding sledgehammers to make it happen. Now, first off, there's nobody that wielded the largest sledgehammer than you, Randy. That's just the truth. When you shut those schools down, when you continue to advocate for keeping those schools down, when we knew it was best for our students to get them back into classrooms, when he knew it was best from their learning standpoint to get them back into classrooms, when we knew that it was best from an emotional standpoint to get them back into classrooms, and by the way, when we knew it was so important that parents, that the parents who could not afford childcare needed to get them back into classrooms because they had jobs to go to, and you put them in a really, really bad position from a family perspective, but let's be honest honest. You don't care about the family. We'll get that deeper into that, but you don't care about the family when it regards this. But let's move on. Support for public education has long been embraced by Democrats and Republicans. But while there have always been detractors, attacks on public education from a vocal minority, many of whom consider themselves MAGA Republicans have increased and worsened, intensified by pandemic-related debates about how to best support kids in schools during a global health crisis. Well, Randy, let's let's start from the very end of this. Pandemic-related debates about how to best support our kids in schools. The best way to have supported our kids was to get them back into schools. That was obvious. We knew this very early on. I remember in the White House making sure we were pushing for this, coming back for the fall of 2020. And who was who was pushing against us? Who was pushing against President Trump? Randy Weingarten and the teachers union was pushing against Trump. They were saying, couldn't do it for our teachers. They were looking basically for the money. How can we get more money out of this for our teachers? Instead of actually looking what was good for our students during a time of emergency, we need to get them back into schools by fall of 2020. 
And frankly, you abandoned them, Randy. Let's move on. Instead of coming together, by by the way, I I had to stop even four words into that next line because instead of coming together, if you remember the line before themselves, she called out MAGA Republicans. Now she's saying instead of coming together. I mean, hypocrisy much here? Are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. She keeps talking about how, well, look, we want to unite here. And then she's calling out MAGA Republicans. I mean, This is just like Joe Biden here. Joe Biden talked for so long about bringing the country together. We're going to bring the country together. But if you actually listen to what the guy's saying, he's one of the most divisive people in political history, certainly to hold that office. It's unbelievable. If you actually listen to the words that President Trump said when in office, in many times he was uniting. Yeah, look, he had to take on the media and the media tried to do everything they possibly could to tear him down, to say uh, he is the worst divisive figure of all time. He's this. I mean, they would compare him to dictators. It was horrendous. When you actually listen to the guy, he was uniting. Remember, the guy tried to actually meet with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They actually had Chinese food in 2017 to try to work out uh, the budget, to try to work out some of the tax cuts. Uh, It fell apart, but he really tried to go across the aisle in all this. He tried to help New York in California, the very beginning of this pandemic, even Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, they actually complimented him. But what happened in all that with Pelosi and Schumer? They realized politically that they couldn't they could not have any compromise with Trump whatsoever. Why? Not because it wouldn't be good for the country. It probably would have been good for the country, but because it would not have been good for their political future. It's the same thing with Cuomo and Newsom, right? Cuomo realized that Trump was doing a good job. But when he started saying that, yeah, whispers saying, hey, Andrew, you know what? If you want to go for the presidency one day, you can't be complimenting Trump. Now, we know what happened with Andrew over the next year after all that ended up happening. But that was in his mind at the time. Same thing with Newsom, who, by the way, Newsom is waiting in the wings. I know Joe Biden has officially announced, but, you know, Joe's one bad day away from not being around anymore. So, you know, Newsom's waiting. And whether it's 24 or 28, you know he's looking at it and he's probably got his pack ready to go. But. Instead of coming together, amazing with the hypocrisy, instead of coming together around solutions we know will help our students, like getting them in school, some are unfortunately hell-bent on destroying public education to advance both political and school privatization agendas. Well, destroying public education, Randy, I would say you and your AFT, your union, has done a better job at destroying public education than maybe certainly anybody in my lifetime, maybe anybody in the 20th and 21st centuries. Um, I want to be clear about one thing, too. I should have mentioned this earlier, but I've had good conversations with a bunch of public school teachers. There's actually a public school teacher who I met at the Rockaway Republican Club a couple of weeks ago who is pro-union, but she cares about our students. And and you could see that she has... um, she saw some of my points. She agreed with some of them, some of them she disagreed with. Um, but she offered to invite me to her public school and I accepted. Now, we never ended up exchanging information. So uh, if you're out there, please reach out to me either on social media. I don't check my social media messages as much as I should. It's just we get a lot of incoming or at WABC because I would really love to take you up on that because uh, I've met other public school teachers that are represented by the union, some that like the union leadership. I disagree with them pretty vehemently on this, as you can see. But many public school teachers that really despise the union leadership and see, sadly, the problems with our union and what they're doing and how they're putting our learning loss, I think, in a really bad place for for schools, or I would say increasing our learning loss uh, for our students. And they don't like the fact, but they feel like they are in this situation where uh, you're 
you're in this immovable object. Whatever you do, there's nothing you could do about it. So it's kind of a matter of, hey, look, I need to keep my livelihood for my family. I understand that, frankly. It's very difficult. Uh, it's a very difficult situation. So uh, anyway, I, I want to be very clear. I think there are a, are a ton of really good teachers in public schools. And I wish, I wish the unions actually found a way to fight for the top 50%, even the top 75% of public school teachers. What the union effectively does by putting away any type of meritocracy, by poo-pooing any meritocracy, if you will, uh, and by trying to set standards aside, they actually are doing everything they can to protect the bottom quarter, the bottom half of teachers, because a meritocracy would actually show those teachers that are effective, that are teaching well, that are teaching at a high level. And guess what? I'm all for those teachers getting a raise and being compensated. And again, doing anything you can to bring the free market into that. But the bottom quarter, the bottom 30%, whatever it may be, whatever whatever that number is to get our performance standards up, um, I don't want them being protected because sadly what happens with that is our students still need to go and learn from them or they still end up overseeing them as administrators and that puts our students in a really, really bad place. So if we were actually talking about the merits, then we would, we would talk about a public school that would look at how can we help our top half? How can we make more public school teachers like our best teachers? If you could do that, then I think you can actually have a public school system that would be effective, that we'd start seeing that turn around. But unfortunately, with this union leadership in Weingarten and some of her other cronies, we're not going to see that at all. So let me continue on here. Overwhelmingly, parents, educators, and supporters of public schools are against this ongoing divisive rhetoric and against the systematic defunding of schools but we must do more okay well first off against this divisive rhetoric uh again the title is maga republicans are destroying our schools divisive rhetoric come on enough with hypocrisy but we must do more was the next line how about do something do something get the kids in school randy we knew we knew what it was but we must do more well how about you do something we must advance common sense solutions focused on what kids and communities need, including strategies that will meet the challenges our students face, such as learning loss, anxiety, and depression. Well, a lot of the learning loss, as with the anxiety and depression, was because our students were isolated for so long, right? And again, I mentioned the mask before. If you can't see a student smiling, that's just, it's, it's proven in terms of so many different scientific experiments that have been done. It's so important for our receptors to have those back and forths with our peers. And that's if you're an adult. Imagine if you're a child there. I mean, they, they tell you, they tell you that if you are feeling down, smile, fake it, smile a little bit, right? Let's do that. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Maybe not when I'm reading this article, but you smile a little bit and you start to feel better. It's the same thing when you see somebody else smiling. Imagine not being able to do that and you're six years old, seven years old. Also, the other thing that I wondered for a long time about masks for me, and we knew, by the way, that masks, 0% effective, the KN95 masks, if you wore them perfectly at all times, it was 4% more effective at preventing 
coronavirus, getting coronavirus than if you did not wear it. That's wearing it perfectly. Now you see kids all the time with the masks all over the place. So you're looking at basically zero and the regular blue masks that you saw all the time were not any more effective. This has just been shown and has been proven. Uh, Let's continue on. We must advance common sense solutions focused on what kids and communities need, including strategies that will meet the challenges our students face, such as learning loss, anxiety, and depression. I just said that line, but again, I guess it bears repeating. Our schools, I'm going to try to go through the second half of the article a little bit faster now because uh, I want to wrap up and there's one more article I want to touch on uh, that again shows the hypocrisy of Randy Weingarten. Our schools need supported, well-trained teachers who have the freedom to teach, collaborate with parents, and help our the, their kids discover who they want to become. The collaborate with parents, that's all lip service. You could just look who she endorsed, Terry McCall, who she went out campaigning for. They didn't want to collaborate with parents. They talked about making sure that the parents are not the primary stakeholders in their kids' education. They believe in the state, not the parents being in there, being being the primary stakeholders. And by the way, I'm so against this, as you guys know, because of my wife. My wife saw this in communism, right? And uh, uh, she grew up in Lithuania. She saw how the state tried to uh, override the parents, tried to, tried to scare kids and try to scare kids into telling on their parents if there was any pro-Lithuanian ideas when it was the Soviet Union. So let me continue on. Students need additional mental health resources to deal with trauma, anxiety, and rising suicide rates. And school districts need to expand experimental learning loss so students can learn by doing. Get them in there and they can learn by doing. Of course, without paying and respecting teachers more, we won't have the staff we need to attract and make any of this possible. Without paying. So this is all about the money, Randy. Let's be honest. We knew this right at the outset. We know that with you, that it's all about the money. But you put it right there. This is about the money. And in terms of respecting teachers, I respect hardworking teachers, but not the union heads who impede our children's opportunity in search of money, and in search of power. It's just the truth. Working together, teachers, parents, and administrators continue to do the work daily to help kids do well and overcome the past few years, both in school and beyond. And while opponents are quick to ban books, censor curriculum, uh, by the way, age-appropriate material is not banning, by the way. There's age-appropriate material at all different levels of school, and that never used to be an issue 15 or 20 years ago. But now they're trying to make comparisons in terms of banning books. I've heard it even making comparisons to the Holocaust, which is absolutely disgusting. As somebody who is proud to have been appointed to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum by President Trump, I find it absolutely disgusting that they would make references to the Holocaust in banning books in terms of age-appropriate material. Shame on you, Randy. Shame on you for anybody who's making those. And demonize teachers and school staff. Our work to meet the needs of students and families is censored on these solutions because that's the kind of creating th- creative thinking our students need. What they don't need is a politicized classroom where MAGA Republicans pit neighbors against neighbors. Oh my goodness, the hypocrisy in not even a sentence, in one line. What they don't need is a politicized classroom where MAGA Republicans pit neighbors against neighbors. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing right there, Randy. You are politicizing this literally by saying MAGA Republicans, we need to fight back. I'll get to that fight back part in one second as well. Uh, Censor accurate age appropriate history, science and social studies lessons. By the way, in terms of the age appropriate stuff, that's what I was just saying. We all should have age appropriate materials in school. You're not practicing what you preach. And in terms of the science, you don't believe in the science. We covered that as well. And when we talk about social studies lessons, guess what? I want our students to learn all about the United States of America and about world history. That means the good. 
That means the bad, including slavery, including the incredible things that were done to rid us of slavery during the Civil War and Jim Crow afterwards and all the struggles and all the incredible leaders like the Frederick Douglasses, the Abraham Lincolns, the Martin Luther Kings of the world. It's important that they learn about that. What they don't need is a vowed Marxist teaching them this stuff. BLM is they're, they're avowed Marxists. They've said it themselves. We do not need them curating our curriculum for them. And sadly, that's what you ascribe to, Randy. Let's finish this article up, and then I'm going to take a deep breath. And strip teachers of their abilities to connect with students and parents to ensure a healthy, supportive, and safe learning environment. Uh, that all sounds good. You're not practicing what you preach. Parents in Florida are pushing back on DeSantis' agenda. That's the last uh, segment here. Thankfully, we've seen efforts to push back against these toxic and self-serving actions. I don't know how they're self-serving when you want parents to be more involved. We've seen Florida parents call out culture wars and warn other states what's at stake if politicians like Governor Ron DeSantis continue to pull resources from public schools. Uh, by the way, that's just inaccurate. Florida parents overwhelmingly agree with the Parental Rights in Education Act. Yes, it's the Parental Rights in Education Act. That's what it is. Um, and you don't have to look any further about the fact that DeSantis got elected by almost 20 points. Uh, we've seen authors like Jody Pickott and James Patterson strongly oppose book bans and the removal of their titles from school libraries. And the NAACP partner with our unions to union to distribute books featuring black Americans. She's playing the race card again over here. Remember, She's talking more BLM. I'm talking about um, I'm talking about making sure that we teach an honest and real history about what's going on. Again, I said this at our debates, the good, the bad and the incredible here in the United States of America, because we should be very, very proud of what so many people did defending that flag, what so many people did to make sure that they got rid of slavery. You got to remember, it's that American flag that was being carried on the battlefields, fighting the Confederates to make sure that we were ridding ourselves of slavery in this country, in the United States of America. Now, it's a bumpy road. It's always been a bumpy road. But you can't tell me that in the United States of America, we've done more to fight against slavery, probably in world history, than any other nation in the history of our country. And sadly, in some public schools, they're not teaching that. Let's finish this up. Unfortunately, too many of our teachers and schools are facing these issues in isolation. Uh, again, you're the queen of hypocrisy. You put them into isolation. So there you go. We need Americans from elected officials to democracy groups, to civic groups, to faith leaders, to join the parents, educators, students, and other community members to help us fight back. Oh my goodness, fight back. Now, if I've heard everything from the left recently, Asking people to fight back is inciting violence. Isn't that what that is from your crazy logic, from Joe Biden's crazy logic, somebody that you overwhelmingly support? Well, you know what? Shame on you again for that. That's a lot of shame on yous, but you deserve a lot of shame on yous. Much like unions, faith, and community groups did recently in Florida, lie, during a day of action to protest DeSantis' agenda. Again, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. People are supportive of his, of his agenda because he's putting parents first. If we are to effectively counter the extremists who wish to put their political vendettas and ideology, this is a gaslight, ahead of children's education, we need more people in groups speaking up about how these culture wars pull money, resources, and support away from public schools. Public education is a vital institution that needs all civic society behind it. Let's protect and strengthen it with our agenda that addresses the issues, learning loss, teacher retention, and student success instead of fanning the flames more. 
Randy, I would say you are gas to those flames. And again, let's just go back to the title. MAGA Republicans are destroying our public schools. Teachers and parents must fight back. So one more thing I want to mention. I know I mentioned this. I want to say on the Dominic Carter show last week, it might have been on my Sunday show, but again, I think it bears repeating because I've always said on the campaign trail that politicians have narratives. It's up to the facts. It's up to the numbers in many cases to see if those narratives are true or fictional. So Randy talks about bringing people together here, right? Even though the title is MAGA Republican. So I did a deep dive, hat tip to Noam Layden right there. I did a deep dive in terms of where the spending went for the American Federation of Teachers. First off, in 2020, they raised over $20 million. In 2023, they gave over 20, in 2022, they gave over $23 million. Um, the largest recipient was AFT Solidary that gave eight, they gave $8.5 million basically to their own slush fund. The next two were $5.2 million to the Senate Majority Pack and $5 million to the House Majority Pack. Remember, in 2022, who were the Senate and the House controlled by? The majority was Democrats. So they basically, right there, $19 million of the $23 million Right, right in the third item line right there has already gone away to Democrats and their own personal slush fund. But it's not just 80%. It's actually over 99.9%. And I'm not going to go line by line in all of this, but you can look this up. You're going to look at, I think it's on Open Secrets where you can look all of this up in terms of who they actually gave to. But long story short, what I'll tell you is of the $23 million that the AFT gave, only $1,056 went to Republicans. That's right. Just over $1,000 of the over $23 million. And you're telling me that you're not political. That's a load of BS. Look, I'm not going to have time to get to our second article today, but you know what? I'm going to put this, I'm going to do this on the Sunday show and maybe we'll even give Carl Campanile a call. He's become a friend and of the New York Post because uh, yesterday he just highlighted the fact that the UFT is accused of, well, I'll just read the title here. The UFT accused of hypocrisy after national union boss Randy Weingarten's charter school gets New York City space. So top line on this. The UFT, the American Federation of Teachers, they actually pushed against Success Academy and Eva Moskowitz from sharing public school space for their charter schools. But guess what? The one charter school that Randy Weingarten, that Randy Weingarten actually has ownership in, she granted space in a public school. Again, hypocrisy. So make sure you tune in this Sunday. We'll cover this article. That'll be one of many things we'll be touching on this Sunday, but Sunday at 3 p.m. on WABC for the Andrew Giuliani show. And we will see you next week, my friends. You have a great week and uh, let's go Rangers. We need some uh, we need some help. I mean, it was been a tough two. It's been a tough two games over here. I mean, Shesterkin's playing far too good to not give this guy any goal support over here. So again, I'm going off on a tangent and the podcast team, they've already got too much to cut already. Ready. I mean, they are just working so hard in this place. I can't tell you. It's awesome to see. I'll tell you what, if we had teachers that worked half as hard, our learning loss would be like this and everybody would just be going through the roof here in this country. So that's what we should shoot for. Let's go Rangers. We'll see you on Sunday. Let's make our schools great again. Thank you.